when you're dining or the way you dressed yourself to show respect to the other people. You didn't just roll out of bed. It's kindness, respect, and consideration. That's all etiquette truly is about at the end of the day. Hi guys, we're your hosts Jillian and Kaylin, and this is Teach Me How to Adult, a podcast on all the things you never learned growing up, like how to buy a home, manage stress, crush your love life, land your dream job, and how to love yourself more, because we could all be a little kinder to ourselves. We're still figuring out how to get our shit together, so we're calling in the experts and the hustlers for some real talk and legit tips on how to live your best life. Adulting isn't easy, but we got you. Hi friends. Today we have a fire episode for you covering a topic you may not have realized you needed to learn way more about, modern etiquette. But this is not your grandma's table manners lecture. (laughs) Modern etiquette goes way beyond which knife and fork to use and minding your P's and Q's. And as someone who grew up with a very Victorian upbringing, manners were really instilled in me throughout my whole life. But a lot of those traditional formal etiquette lessons felt really stuffy to me and I've now realized that I had a bit of an etiquette bias because I didn't always see before this episode how modern manners aren't about being performative or fancy they are all about showing respect and that's what we learned in this episode totally and good etiquette can be key in landing your dream job scoring new clients or hosting your next event like an adult like it really trickles into every area of your life yeah and according to today's guest etiquette expert Micah Meyer Modern etiquette is just about being kind, thoughtful, and respectful, presenting your best self, and having the emotional intelligence and social skills to go anywhere with confidence. And that sounds pretty good. And honestly, it's 2021, and most of our generation genuinely does not seem to know when to write thank you letters, how to split up a bill like appropriately for group dinners, whether to shake hands or stand when you're meeting someone, and what business casual really means. And looking back now, it really does make me grateful that I was raised to show manners and respect by my family because I'm now seeing just how pervasive it is and absolutely everything that you do in your life and how manners can really get you ahead and just connect you really nicely with people. Yeah, my parents were also really big on manners and I think it's helped me a lot career-wise. Yeah. I've I've noticed it there. It just felt like it made me more mature in in the business world. Yeah. it's good stuff. That's true. I feel like when, when you're a, like a, a young a young pup in the industry <laughs> and people are like, wow, you seem really mature for your age. It's like, thanks, it's the manners. It's because my mom was scary. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. Love you, mom. And we will answer all of your questions on manners today with the help of Micah. From dealing with the bill on a date to dress codes for special occasions to properly setting a table we tackle it all. Mm -hmm. But before we dive in, let's just quickly touch base on the biggest offenders that really irk us when it comes to manners. My like number one etiquette hang up is people who are rude with their cell phone use and just general Mm -hmm. cell phone etiquette. Like sure, I may be a bad texture, but I can honestly say that if I'm with someone for a work meeting, a date, a friend hangout, I will not be spending the whole time on my phone. And I find it so rude and disrespectful when I'm with someone and they're just staring at their phone and I'm trying to talk to them. And I'm like, this is fucking rude. (laughs) This is terrible. Hello. And then my second biggest etiquette hang-up is people who are bad hosts if you have invited someone into your home and you don't offer them water or a beverage when they arrive if they're over for like my rule of thumb is over three hours and Mm -hmm. you're not offering them like something to eat snacks drinks tea something 
that's a really bad sign. Like you, you are hosting someone, even if they're people that come over all the time, there's a basic level of respect that they have come into your environment and you should be ensuring that they have everything that they need. You should be like taking their jacket or showing them where to put their things. So they're not awkwardly holding on to everything, (laughs) trying to figure out where they want you to put things. Honestly, I go as far as making sure like the temperature is okay when I have people over because I don't want them to be too hot or too cold. So many people miss these really simple gestures and it's a bad look. You are the best hostess. So thank you for taking care of me every time. No problem. (laughs) It doesn't need to be fancy. It just needs to be something to show that you care about the comfort of your guest. And if you're having friends over for drinks, you know, every time you get up, you should be topping them up. If they're not drinking, what else can you serve them so they can partake? A lot of ways to just be thoughtful. And that's really what it comes down to as a host. Mine are like very specific. So don't judge me, friends. But one of my biggest ones is when someone doesn't have like a nice hand towel for me to use when I come over in their washroom. And instead I'm wiping my hands on their like poopy shower towel, you know, like Like you've literally (laughs) done God knows what with that towel. And now that's where we're supposed to use for our hands. Your wet bod or your boyfriend's wet bod has been on that thing. I do not want to wipe my hands on it. Yeah. I don't ask for much. I'm just saying. It's fair. My next one, chewing with your mouth open. Yeah. The worst. I don't need to see the food that you just chewed. I really don't. And I really don't need to hear it. No. That's even worse, I think. And then another thing, if you're going over to someone's house for dinner or something, if it's not like just a casual friend hang, showing up empty handed, I think is really bad. Yeah. It's really bad. Or not asking first, can I bring anything? Yeah. You just got to do it. Agreed. Micah addresses it really well in the episode when she says that you should match essentially like the effort that's being put into it so if it's like Kaylin's coming over to do some work with me I'm it's you do not need to bring anything we're just hanging out doing work together versus if I was having you over and cooking you a dinner that I was making specially for you and I got us wine and I was hosting you and putting effort into it then you should bring Bring something something. to contribute and that's a rule of thumb whether you know it's a formal event like with your boss or whether it's even just with a casual friend Mm -hmm. match the effort that's being put in from the host such good advice and we know everyone's probably super sick of talking about covid and so are we but we actually recorded today's interview with Micah before peak COVID. So it doesn't really cover any new COVID etiquette and respect measures that have come into light since the pandemic. So here is the proper way to deal with some common new normal post COVID cues that you might have. Okay, let's talk about handshakes because in the before times, I was a big handshaker. It was like a non-negotiable for me. That's how I was raised. This was the proper formal way to meet someone and to show respect and to create a good first impression. So any new person I would meet, whether it was a, you know, a friend of a friend or a colleague, I would be shaking hands. And your handshake says a lot about you. So if you are going to shake hands, make sure you have a good one. No one wants like a weird limp, like three finger (laughs) handshake. Like it's just really bad. You need to have a good, confident, nice handshake and we actually learned from Micah that two shakes or pumps is standard in a business setting versus socially you would do three shakes which is really cool I've never known that sometimes I overshake I think so at least you don't Donald Trump people and like grab them and pull them into you Ew, no you seen him no oh I hate that I hate everything about that. I know. He'll like grab you and pull you in. It's like a power move. Yeah, it's intense. Intense. Stupid. People prepare for their handshake with him, like world leaders, before they go. Trudeau did a good job. He he, he held his ground. I would headbutt him. (laughs) That's what I would do. (laughs) 
Anyways, we so digress. that's kind of like the before times, everything you need to know about handshaking. Obviously, always stand up to shake someone's hand. Um, that's the right thing to do. Never do it sitting down. Um, but now with COVID, consent really has taken on this whole new level of importance when it comes to physical touching. So we, we don't all know everyone's vaccine statuses. We don't know everyone's comfort levels. So always ask if someone is okay with shaking hands or mm-hmm. hugging before you move in for the contact. I know it seems really <laughs> awkward, but it is becoming normal. I've been doing it anytime I encounter someone I haven't seen in a while or someone I've never met. I say, are you okay with a shake or a hug? Yeah. And I just say it really playfully. And usually it's it's fine it's It's just respectful but you got to give people the choice and don't put them in an awkward position where they now feel like they had to engage in a level of like touching that they're just not comfortable with in a pandemic yeah no that's that's an important one to remember and then some other COVID etiquette to consider so we used to live in a world where showing up to work or events sick was almost required and expected yeah kind of like a badge of honor to some people yeah um true because no one was allowed to slow down but that is officially the most inconsiderate thing that you can do these days so if you're not feeling well stay home you have to you got to do it not leaving your mask out at a restaurant table i know it's really awkward when you go to restaurants and you just like what do you do with your mask throwing it on the table is really bad form it's germy it's literally full of your saliva and there's germs on the table so put it in your your bag, your purse, your pocket, or keep it even on your lap, um, but mm-hmm. don't put it on the table. These days, I think it's really still important to let guests know who else is attending if you're having people over. Mm-hmm. Even if it's just a few friends, I would never invite people over right now and not list who is coming because yeah. everyone deserves to know how many people there are, if they're comfortable with that. Maybe you haven't seen someone in a long time and they haven't been in your bubble and you're a bit uneasy, or maybe you have differing opinions with some of the attendees on vaccines Mm -hmm. everyone should know who is attending obviously if you're going to a bar a club a massive party that's not going to be the case but if you're hosting let your guests know yeah who's coming that's a big one and then lastly respecting masking and vaccine rules at events so i think it is totally okay for people to put rules in place if they want people to be double vaxxed or wearing Mm -hmm. a mask if you're hosting something and you just kind of have to respect it. And you should always be honest about oh my God, yeah. your vaccination status too. I did that for my baby shower. I asked that everyone who attended was double vaccinated because we had some immunocompromised people, myself, even just being pregnant. And I, I had no qualms about it. No one really cared. Yeah. People even messaged me saying thank you for doing that because they felt so much safer going to the event. A hundred percent. And there's so much more to learn about manners, and we are not the experts, so we called in the etiquette queen herself. Micah has been called the Marie Kondo of etiquette. She's even trained in London under a member of the royal household of the queen. Yas, queen! As an entrepreneur and etiquette coach, Micah opened Beaumont Etiquette, which offers businesses and individuals courses on etiquette that are super relevant to society today. She brings a fresh, modern perspective to the industry, breaking down the stereotype that etiquette is stuffy or outdated. She's an absolute powerhouse and the most lovely, delightful person ever. She co-founded the Plaza Hotel's finishing program and is the author of two best-selling books, Modern Etiquette Made Easy and Business Etiquette Made Easy. And definitely make sure you follow her on Instagram. She's a hugely, hugely popular Instagram account at Micah Meyer for super fun, helpful etiquette videos on honestly everything from (laughs) how to eat and serve difficult foods like mussels and fondue and ribs and chicken wings, all those things that like, how do you politely eat that? (laughs) To like mask etiquette, the proper way to carry different bags and purses, 
how to hold different types of wine glasses the right way. Everything is there. It's a true education for 2021. Sure is. Without further ado, let's spill the tea on all things manners. Teach us how to have modern etiquette, Micah. Tell us how you got into teaching modern etiquette. I was actually living and working in London, and I was the only American working at an all-British company. And, you know, everybody kind of did everything the same way, and everybody knew how to eat in this, like, really fancy way I didn't know anything about. So I, by suggestion of my boyfriend at the time, he said, you know, why don't you take an etiquette class? And I, I literally was mind blown at what I learned in that one course. And so I started taking more and more and more and then teaching all of my American expat, mostly girlfriends, um, what I was learning. And word kind of started spread and it turned out into like to be full-blown parties. And then kind of thought, wait a second, maybe I'm on to something. And um, I quit my job in London and started Beaumont Etiquette in Kensington. And it kind of went from there. That's amazing. It's such a great idea and such a good business opportunity. I just wish I was at some of those parties that you hosted. I know. <laughs> I know. So what are the most common etiquette mistakes that you were seeing people make around you? You know, the things that I see the most now are, I guess, just lack of consideration with, you know, it could be cell phone etiquette, or if you're talking to somebody and, you know, they just pull out their phone and check their texts, you know, not holding a door open for somebody else who needs it opened. Um, I work at the Plaza Hotel where I teach a lot of my courses. And so I see people from all over the world and I, I see a lot of the same mistakes. I think at the end of the day, I kind of teach the etiquettes about kindness and respect and thinking of other people before yourself. And even when you're dining or the way you dress yourself, it's, it's not just for yourself, but it's to show respect to the other people. You didn't just roll out of bed to meet someone. You put yourself together so to, to make that person feel special. So it's, I think, also a lack of, of seeing people understand what etiquette truly is as well. Yeah. That's a great point. It's really just common courtesy, which I think mm-hmm. a lot of people don't realize when they're thinking about manners or etiquette. They're thinking of it as like a very highbrow thing, but it's really just respect. Yeah, That's literally all it is. It's like a bingo. It's, you know, it's, it's, it's kindness, respect, and consideration. That's all etiquette truly is about at the end of the day. So let's start off and tackle some common social etiquette guidelines. What is an appropriate hostess gift? And do you even need to bring one at all? I mean, if it's your first time in someone's house, do you do you always bring something? Or if you're meeting someone's family for the first time, special occasions, like what's the standard protocol? So my, you know, go-to rule of thumb that I love to share is never show up empty-handed. Um, it's something that I feel like I didn't know growing up. I maybe saw my parents bring things, but I didn't, you know, I wasn't ever responsible. The rule is really whenever you go to anyone's home that's hosting you, and I'm not just talking about going to your friend's house to kind of lay around and watch TV. I'm talking about if they're actually hosting you, preparing a meal, having you over for lunch, even a Super Bowl party, whatever it is, casual or formal, you always bring something to show gratitude for being hosted. Um, and I always like to suggest asking your host what you can bring. And often they will 
But mm-hmm. I think at the end of the day, it's bringing something, no matter how small, it's just something thoughtful to say thank you for being hosted. It's not about the money or how much you spend on it, but again, you know, the thought that counts. So it could be something you bake. If you're really, really good at cooking, you know, maybe you bake brownies or whatever it is, or maybe it's your, you know, a picture that you printed because people just don't print photos anymore. Um, <laughs> it's a, you know, a, a photo you printed that you thought was special uh, from the last time you saw each other. It could be anything, but bringing something. That's such a nice idea. And it doesn't need to be like a super expensive thing. I think that's like a barrier for a lot of people. It's like, well, I go out a lot. I can't always bring a really nice bottle of wine. But yeah, just something thoughtful that shows your appreciation and Mm -hmm. your friendship. And I vowed this year that every time I went to a special event or some something that someone hosted, I was going to bring uh, a recipe that I baked that's one of my grandma's recipes. I think it would be meaningful and I'm going to try to do it for the rest of the year. Yes. I love that. I love that. That's such a good one. When it comes to engagements, weddings, and showers, what is an appropriate gift to bring to all those occasions? So the first thing I would advise is to look at a, look to see if there is a registry. Um, a lot of people just think of registries as wedding registries, but more and more often I'm finding the couple will have a registry even at the very, very beginning. Remember that the shower, if it's for instance, the bridal shower, that is just a gift for the bride. You do not you know, maybe it is something on the registry, but usually the registry is meant for both the couple. But the shower is something that is intended to kind of send her into, you know, bridal bliss. And then the actual wedding gift is something that should be for both of them. And I think it's, you know, budget depends on what you can afford. You should never buy something that's out of your budget. Again, it goes back to the thought or the more sentimental value for the wedding gift as well. And how do you politely remind someone to pay you back when they owe you money? Oh, gosh, yes. Um, So a lot of financial apps now um, actually have a reminder function, and it's absolutely fine, perfectly fine to use that reminder function. So you should use it because it's there to help ease the, the conversation around money. And that's, you know, makes communication a little bit easier to talk about. But it's absolutely fine to remind the person because often they just forget. There's a lot on their mind. Yeah. I think um, it's important where possible to put it in writing. You are much more likely to get a response and to get that payment back if you text somebody or you email them. And if they forget, then you can forward and say, hey, just a reminder. I think it's important to have in writing where possible if you're not using an app. Right. It's easy to forget if you just mention it in passing. Yeah. And can you tell us about the no surprises rule? The no surprises rule is one that I think is very important. And an example um, of the no surprises rule is, so for instance, if you are going on a bachelorette trip and somebody's organizing it and they say, you know, okay, the overall budget per person is going to be X amount. And then you get to the bachelorette party and suddenly, you know, somebody throws out that, oh, and tonight we're, you know, all treating the bride to a limo ride. Everyone, please send me, you know, $100 each and you weren't expecting it. That is a surprise. So I always say on any kind of financial app, it's really important uh, in any kind of like sharing or where there's like a communal budget, never, you never want to surprise somebody. It's not fair to the person who you're asking for the money. If you want to personally invest that money, that's great. But if people didn't agree to it, 
you can't just throw it out there and then expect people to pay for it. I also had another, a journalist actually who interviewed me last year and she had a situation where she went to someone's home for just a friend, like a girlfriend from work. And she didn't know her super well, but was trying to make friends. And she got to the person's home and the girl hosted her and she had wine and cheese and like some snacks. And she got home and she had a request for money. And it said for the wine tonight. And that was a perfect example of a surprise. Oh my God. (laughs) So you never want to surprise the person you're requesting money from. It's best to ask upfront, state what you're thinking about purchasing and make sure they're in agreement before you then send the request. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That's a brutal situation to be in. So instead of requesting money after you've been entertained or hosted or after a party, should people send thank you notes? When should they send those thank you notes? You should always send a thank you note. Um, And nowadays with technology etiquette, you know, I get a lot of, is it okay to send a text? Thank you. Is it okay to send an email? Thank you. But I think the important part is an email is a little bit more formal than a text to show impact. Mm -hmm. And then handwritten is the most formal way. So always match the way that you're thinking somebody with what you're thinking them for. So if somebody invites you to a nice birthday dinner, so it's their 25th birthday and their parents throw an amazing dinner party at a restaurant, then I think a handwritten thank you note to the family who hosted you is a really nice thing. Um, I think if you're on a date and someone pays the bill and you want to thank them, I think text in kind of that culture is absolutely fine, but it's always important to thank somebody. I think that's really, really important. It shows gratitude and respect to the person who really didn't have to do that and and chose to. Jumping back to wedding season, what do you wear to a summer or spring wedding versus a fall and winter wedding? And is black ever acceptable? Black is okay to wear to weddings, um, but I think it's more of a, it, it depends on the time of day. Post 6 p.m. would be considered a formal or even black tie attire. And if there's a black, say there's, especially it depends on, I think, demographically too. In Manhattan, everyone wears black all the time. But if you are in Florida having a, you know, a beach wedding and you wear black, it doesn't, it doesn't work. So I think, you know, it it just stands out, but in the wrong way. I don't think there's necessarily anything wrong with wearing black. I think it's making sure that the time of day is appropriate. The venue is appropriate. The culture is appropriate. Um, Always pay attention to the dress code. Is it cocktail attire? Is it formal? Black tie means floor length gown and tuxedo. Cocktail attire means, uh, you know, a what we call cocktail dress, which could be down to your knees, slightly above your knee or T-length, which is kind of to your calf. For men, it would be a suit with a tie. Um, or if in a less casual, you know, a more casual, excuse me, environment, it could be slacks, like really nice pants with a blazer and no tie and maybe a pocket square. And then a casual wedding could just be It's more about the materials for me for a dress. It could be the same length dress as cocktail, but it could be a cotton summer dress for a casual wedding Um, versus a man casual attire would be no jacket, no tie, and but still Mm -hmm. a collared shirt with buttons down the middle, tucked in with pants with a belt. But at the end of the day, you never wear white to a wedding unless the bride or groom has asked you to for like an all white beach wedding, unless they specifically ask you to wear white, you would never wear white. 
because it takes away attention from the, the bridal couple. That makes sense. That's a hard and fast yeah. rule. Yeah. I even think it's like steering clear of pastel, really, really light pastel pinks or creams. I remember um, at my wedding, I literally did not think twice of it, but there was a guest who, and she came up to me halfway through the ceremony. It was a beach ceremony. And she said, oh my gosh, I'm dying. I think everyone thinks I wore white to your wedding. And I didn't, I looked down and it looked pink to me. But when the sun kind of came through on the beach and it looked like in the, the pictures, it does look like there's two brides standing next to each other. Oh, and no. I, of course, I was like, no, please. You look amazing. You look gorgeous. This is definitely pink. But I think that's one situation you just have to be really careful that anything too light could be seen as a wedding dress. Yeah. And then the other end of the spectrum, I find this challenging. Are there, is there any like protocol on what to wear to a funeral other than, you know, black, like any levels of appropriateness people should keep in mind? And should you bring anything to a funeral, whether it's a card or flowers or donation or, or nothing? I think when you are at a funeral, you don't have to wear all black. Black is the color of mourning. And mm -hmm. um, so black is traditional for funerals. But I have seen... I went to a wedding, or excuse me, a funeral last year, and I wore a dark navy, and my husband wore a dark navy suit. And I would say half half the wedding was in either dark grays, dark navies, or and then the other half was black. You want to be respectful and wear something dark colored. I would not wear prints. I would not wear anything bright or cheery unless that was asked of you, because you just again want to show respect to the family. I don't think you need to necessarily bring anything. You can send things ahead. So for instance, when someone passes, it's a, a nice thing in many cultures to send food to the home so that the, the family doesn't have to cook. And when they're, especially when they're receiving guests, they don't, you know, need to worry about having things there. Also find out what the family wishes are. So are they requesting donations made in the memory of their loved one, which I often see. If you feel it's appropriate, you can attend the wake the service, the shiva, the memorial service. A graveside service is traditionally limited to close family and friends. And then for Jewish individuals, I think it's it's important or people attending um, a funeral of, of someone who is Jewish and has passed, find out where the shiva will be held. And then you can send food in lieu of a floral arrangement. So you don't send flowers, you send food. Um, if a wake is being held, then it's traditional send flowers to the funeral home, but not to show up with flowers to the funeral home. You kind of send them ahead of time. And um, I think it's always appropriate and always appreciated to send a handwritten card of yeah. you know condolence to the family or to the person who's left behind. I, I think you should never say, I know how it feels. I know how you feel. I think that's a really hard thing to say to somebody or to a family because you don't know how they feel. But I think you can say, my deepest condolences to you and your family at this time. You're in my thoughts and prayers if you want to be religious. Extending my heartfelt sympathy to you and your family at this time. Those are just some of the examples. That's that's really helpful because you can sort of be at a loss for words. on, on lot, literally. Yes. The wrong thing and offend anyone. So I think that saying exactly what you said is, is perfect. Moving on to dining, can you remind us what a standard place setting is? Sure. So, okay, so a standard place setting 
in America is plate in the middle. Then you have your fork on the left. Now, in my new book, which is called Modern Etiquette Made Easy, I include what I call the Meyer Method of Table Setting, which teaches you the easiest ways to remember how to set a table. So this is the Meyer Method of Table Setting. So plate in the middle. Then you have um, your fork on the left. You can remember the fork always goes on the left because it's spelled F-O-R-K and the word L-E-F-T has four letters just like the word left. The knife has five letters, so does the word right, Mm. so that you know the knife always goes on the right. The blade faces in toward the plate. Then if you add, say, a soup spoon, then the spoon has five letters, S-P-O-O-N, so does the word right, so you know the spoon goes on the right. And the water glass goes directly over the main dining knife. If you ever see dessert cutlery um, on a table, it's typically at the top of a plate in American dining. That's what that spoon and fork are. Or there might be a dessert spoon to the right of the plate setting as well, and that would be more informal. Um, If you ever see a bread plate on the table, it's on the left. If you are a car person, you can remember BMW, which means the bread plate's on the left. So bread, meal, water, BMW, bread, meal, water. So bread on the left, meal in the middle, and then water, wine, coffee, tea on the right. So all of your beverages are always on the right. That's so helpful. So helpful. Where where does your wine glass go? Is it on beside your water glass? Yeah, so the water glass is so if if the water glass is directly over the main dining knife, then the wine glass you're currently drinking just goes slightly below and to the right of the water glass. Okay. So if you have let's say a white wine glass and a red wine glass, then the white wine glass goes further down below um to the right of the water glass and then the red wine glass would be kind of behind and above the white wine glass. I want to go set a table right now. It's really easy. It's super easy once you learn a couple little tricks like that. And should you wait until everyone has been seated and served before you eat? Yes. You want to make sure that everybody has their food before you begin eating. If you're, let's say you're at a restaurant and your food is, is not coming out, then it's up to you to say to everybody at the table, everyone, please go ahead. I'm sure it'll just be a moment. Please enjoy while it's still warm. And if you don't, then everyone technically should still wait. So if you don't know the good etiquette to tell everybody to eat while it's still hot, people should wait. Now, we all know after listening to this podcast that it is good etiquette, so you would say that. If you're on the other side of the table and you have your meal and one person still doesn't, you should wait until everyone has their food. Or if that person tells you to eat, then you should eat so that you don't make that person feel awkward. That's great. And we all just have to hope that the person we're waiting on has the courtesy to let us eat our warm food. (laughs) Exactly. And then for wine glasses, is there a proper way that you should hold one? Yes. So the, the, the proper way, so if the wine glass has a stem, you always hold it by the stem for two reasons. One, if you're holding at the bowl of the glass, then you're heating the liquid, which you never want to do. And you're also leaving fingerprints on the bowl of the glass. So you always hold it at the stem and you hold it with a minimum of three fingers, your thumb, your index, and your middle finger. What about a stemless wine glass? Obviously you have to hold it somehow. So is it just like full hand grip or pinkies up? For that, the lower down at the bottom you can hold, the better because you essentially, the stem, you know, stemless glasses 
are not very conducive to wine because it's forcing you to heat the liquid. That being said, they're convenient, they're easy, they're less breakable. So I get it. I see the appeal. Um, so if you do have them or you're holding one, you just hold it, you know, as far down to the bottom as you can. So you're not, again, leaving fingerprints and you're not heating that liquid. Got it. Okay. And how does one handle the bill when you're on a date? I mean, we all knew how it used to be, but I don't know how to navigate that now. And I feel like everyone has a different opinion on whether to split the bill or whoever has proposed the date pays. It's it's hard to navigate. What do you think? Yes. So I think my, my general rule is whoever invites and chooses the restaurant and chooses the wine is the host and the host always pays. So if there's one really, you know, if there's somebody's like, hi, would you like to go out you know, on Saturday night? I'd love to invite you to Caraba's Italian Grill, whatever, you know, whatever it is, that's the person that should pay. It has less to do with gender and more about who the host is. The thing that I think is really important, though, is that no matter what, you should always offer to pay. Mm-hmm. I think it's really important in modern etiquette um, that if you, even if you think somebody intends to fully pay, I think it's important when the bill comes to pull out your wallet and offer to pay. And that person might say, no, please, this is my treat. Or that person might say, oh, great, thanks. And then it's up to you and your personal preference um, if you want to see that person again or if you don't, if, you know, depending on if you thought they should have paid or, or not. I remember years ago, I had a, a man that I met out at a club and he was a dentist and a very successful you know, young professional, probably in his early 30s at the time. And I was 22 years old, just moved to Manhattan and didn't have two pennies to rub together, like could barely make rent. And I had an emergency credit card for my dad just in case something happened, something horrible. And he invited me out. He chose a really nice restaurant. It was the nicest date I think I'd ever been on as an adult. And he, you know, he ordered the wine and then I remember he suggested the scallops, like this whole thing. And then the bill came and my dad always taught me to offer. So I did. And he said, oh, oh, thanks. And no. Yeah. And I, I didn't even see the bill. He just took my credit oh, card and put it. No. And I remember just holding my breath <gasps> and like panicking and not even knowing how, like, <laughs> did my dad even look at the credit card? Like, uh, Bill, I didn't even know if it was paid. I didn't even know if it still worked anymore. I didn't even know the expiration date. And I just held my breath until it came back. And it did miraculously because my dad's amazing. Um, But I, <laughs> you know, like it was, and that was the worst feeling. And at the end of the day, I remember him the next day saying, thank you, texting me and saying, thank you so much. I would love to take you out again. And I was like, is that a joke? Is this, oh is this like, a, is this like a, a TV show or something? And it's like a hidden camera um, because it was so clear that he should have paid. And it was not that he was a man and I was a woman that he should have paid. It was he was the host. It works yeah. if there's two women or two men. It's the same thing. So Yeah. And it's kind of, of course- the no surprises rule. Like you – if he was ordering the wine and he was choosing things that were really expensive on the meal and it wasn't like so much of a collaborative conversation, mm-hmm. he yeah. was setting the tone for how expensive that was going to be without checking in with you. And then you're exactly. left. Oh. Exactly. So I think that's just, that's pretty important. I think a nice thing, if you aren't sure, you, you know, say somebody has treated you a few times. I remember with my now husband, 
he had kind of taken me on like four or five dates and I wanted to treat him back, but I also didn't have a lot financially. So I organized a date where it was a cashless date. I packed a picnic, uh, you know, like, in, in, and I remember like being very conscious of that, but it still was something super thoughtful where I could show gratitude. I planned the date. I packed everything, didn't let him pay for anything because there was nothing to pay for. And, you know, having somebody over to dinner, that's another way that you can, you know, make sure that if they're always paying for you and you're super grateful, but you actually want to treat them too, then having them over. I actually remember I had this, this boyfriend years ago where he was new. It was like maybe the first, it was the first time I invited him over where I was going to cook for him. And I remember ordering, this is horrible etiquette, but I remember ordering something from a restaurant because he said he loved seafood. And I remember <laughs> throwing it in like a couple minutes before he arrived into the pan and then pretending I cooked it. Oh my God. And then <laughs> I love that. And then I remember it was it was fantastic and it was really complicated. And I remember him saying, Wow, how did you cook this? What's in this? And I remember I had no idea. And it was like this awkward, like he was like, well, no, like, how did you do it? Like, this is amazing. So don't ever do that. So funny. It's a family secret. That's what you it's say. A family, yeah. Yeah. It's a family secret. Right? Oh. Exactly. Quick story. The worst date I've ever had. Oh, gosh. In which, Kaylin, I think I've told you this one, in which a guy asked me on a date and he was between jobs and, you know, said he couldn't really afford at that point to, like, go out to a nice restaurant. But he said, come over and I'll cook for you. I'm like, of course. It's lovely. So I go over and he's like, I hope you brought your appetite. And he pulled a plate out of his fridge with like a, a chicken tortilla that had saran wrap over it and only one of them and then put it in the oven. And he's like, I already ate, but I made this for you. Oh my gosh. And then he no. it's like dry. There was no sauce. It was literally a piece of chicken, some like romaine lettuce and a tortilla wrap. And he put it in the oven. I don't know why. I don't know. No. And then like he watched me while I ate it. And I was like, I've, I've never felt more uncomfortable ever. <laughs> this, this is my low point. Like it doesn't oh get a whole gosh. lot lower. So oh no. Don't be like tortilla guy, rap guy. Don't be dentist guy. Don't be tortilla guy. Yeah. Don't be tortilla guy. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Moving on to business. So let's talk about business etiquette. How do you make a good first impression in a job interview or like in an, an initial meeting with someone? I think what's really important is that you want to be able to be as relatable and likable to the room you're walking into as possible. So I would say do your research ahead of time. Who are you meeting? Dress for that if you're going in for an interview or you're going in to you know, meet a client, dress for the brand that you're meeting. So let them see you in their world. And the more that you, and I'm not saying, you know, to, to dress exactly like them, just be like if you're going to, for instance, a interview at a formal, like very corporate bank, then you need to dress the part. So, you know, wear the suit, wear the tie. You're going to interview at a trendy marketing firm, you know, jeans are probably then fine, but still nice and neat. And so that if you show up to the marketing firm in a full suit with a tie, you're not going to be relatable. It's actually, even though you're trying to show respect, you actually just aren't going to fit in. So right. that's one thing. I think it's really important to come as prepared as possible. For me, it's like I always say, 
you can come and you can sit to a meeting, sit in a meeting and you look great. You fit the brand, you fit the part, and then you pull out your notepad to take notes and it has like a spiral and there's paper flying out of the spiral. And Mm -hmm. then you pull out your pen to take notes and it's like a chewed Bic pen. (laughs) Those tiny little finishing details are still part of your first impression. So just like planning, pre-planning your outfit, pre-planning like everything you're carrying. Look at your iPad cover. Is it filthy, but you don't recognize it because you use it every day? You want to be super respectful. I think you want to make great eye contact. Remember, you have seven seconds to make a first impression. That's, you know, there are lots of different studies. There's one by Princeton that actually says you have one-tenth of a second to um, until people read your facial signifiers and, and, and then they, they take that time and already have a judgment. So it's just making sure you come in and feel and look great and ready and, and know who you're meeting. Is it appropriate to ever get your boss a gift? Yes. I think it's absolutely appropriate to get your boss a gift. I think during a birthday or the holidays are probably the two times you would get it or get them one or maybe a wedding um, as well. But I would say for big gifts or if you think other people might or you have a team, one thing you can do is ask the team if they want to chip in. So it's like one gift all together. I think if you have two bosses, you can't give one boss a gift and not give the other. Your gift should always be very professional. Even, you know, no matter how close you are with your boss, you still want to give something if you're giving it at work that is work appropriate. Um, Stay away from anything that requires a size. You just want to never offend anyone. Um, Gag gifts about age, if it's for a birthday, are probably not the best to give work. So just be really, like, err on the side of caution and be more conservative with your gift-giving items. Maybe it's a monogrammed pen. Maybe if they love a certain food, if they love hot sauce, they eat hot sauce in everything they do every single day, getting them a unique, you know, bottle from the last place you traveled. Something thoughtful but appropriate, I would say, is always the key. And are there any strategies on where you should sit in a meeting room in a formal environment? If let's say there's a boardroom, my the boardroom table in my office is a long rectangle. So in that case, there's two places that the most VIP person at the table should sit. So your boss or the director of the company, and that's the heads of the table, the, the shorter ends of the rectangle um, are two power positions because you're addressing the table or smack dab in the middle of the table would be the other power position. So make sure when you come in, they are seating before you or you know where they sit so you don't sit in their preferred seat. And then the most VIP guest, so like a client, would sit to the right of the host. Second most VIP person to the left of the host. So otherwise, beside those guests of honor and VIP seats, you can even ask, where would you like me to sit if it's your first time going into a meeting? Ah, Good to know. Should you stand when a colleague enters a boardroom or a meeting that you're in? I would stand whenever there is somebody um, who you want to show respect to and you never shake hands while being seated. So you would stand up always to shake hands, no matter what, Um, whether you're at a dining table, a boarding table, a desk. Um, And so if my client walks in the room, I will always stand um, and say, welcome. Same thing for dining. And it is really tough to self-promote. So do you have any tips on how you can tastefully network uh, without being obnoxious or awkward? 
it's all about being humble. Um, you know, like you have to self-promote, but it's all, it's not what you say, it's how you say it. And you've probably heard that expression before, but it's so true. So if somebody's like, oh, so what do you do? Which actually is not the best. I wrote in my book, it's not the best first question to ask somebody, especially at a networking event, because it's almost, it almost comes off as opportunistic of like, how can you help me? How much money do you make? Like, mm-hmm. So there are other questions to ask first, but often that is the first question people ask us. And if someone's like, oh, so what do you do for a living? Or what do you do? And, or what position are you? And, you know, you want to be able to self-promote, but I think it's really important to always be humble in the way you do it. So if you were just promoted to, you know, the associate director or an executive or associate level or whatever it is, I would probably not say it in a way that comes off as um, pretentious. So I used to say, instead of saying I was a director, I'd say, you know, I am so excited I get to actually run the team over at XYZ in the lifestyle department. So we have really exciting clients and fun clients like X, Y, and Z. So I always would say it like that instead of like, I am the director of, I would say, you know, I get to run a team of, you know, people over at this company and we work on this. So I think there are ways that you can say it without coming across braggish. If anyone ever compliments me today, for instance, if I did something or I gave a presentation and and somebody enjoyed it, they might say, oh, well, you know, Micah, that was, that was an amazing, wow, that was so great, or whatever they say. And I will always take a humble approach and I always say thank you. If somebody compliments you, that's the, the you know, the etiquette, say thank you. But then I'll say, thank you, it's so kind of you. You know, I really couldn't have done it without my team. They're so on it and just helped me prepare for, for this. So I owe it all to them. That's lovely. I think a lot of people could use that lesson in like the business world. So, yeah, but you shouldn't. I think you, it's important to market yourself. I think it's just done in a way that you know is gracious. Absolutely. So, if someone is taking you out for a business lunch, should you order like modestly so that you're not you know being obnoxious and racking up a, a crazy bill, or should you just kind of let them order first and try to match in terms of the quantity and the price? And who should pick up that bill if you're out for a business meal? So if you are out with a client, you should be paying for it. Um, Mm -hmm. You want to ask, of course, you want to buy your boss, your team first, but you should be paying for it if you're ever with a client. If you're like that, that's the rule of thumb for business. I will always say I'm out with a client or say I'm out with anyone. And maybe it's not a client. Maybe it's just two, you know, associates and we're at a networking event and I'm not sure who's going to pick up the tab or if we're going to split in the middle. I will always match the courses that the other person's having, especially if it's a client. So I will ask first, oh, what are you thinking? Are you going to start with something? And say, oh, no, 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 I'm just, you know, I'm not that hungry. I'm just going to have the chicken. Then I should not order a soup to start and then a salad and then a chicken because that person's sitting there staring at me the whole time. So you do want to match the courses just for more like sake of smooth meals and, and, you know, lack of awkwardness. If you think you're being hosted, if you think there's even a chance somebody is going to be picking up the tab, you never order the most expensive thing on the menu, not even near the most expensive thing on the menu. I would order mid or lower end of the menu. I think mid is fine. So I'm not telling you to like eat bread. I'm telling you just Mm -hmm. never to order the lobster and the steak, even if the client or the person or even if the person who is paying for the bill 
is ordering that, even if your client is ordering that, um, and you're not sure if somebody else is paying for it, unless you are paying for it, you never order the most expensive thing on the menu. That's tricky because I love steak and lobster, but you are right. (laughs) I know. And then what about drinking at a business lunch or a business mm-hmm. dinner? Should you, I mean, if you're being taken out and you're, you're the client, should you wait and see if the person who's hosting orders first or ask the question if we're drinking? What's sort of the protocol there? Yeah. If you are on a team and your boss is there or your client is there, I think you would never order a drink unless your boss did and offered you one. So I think you need to know your company culture. That's very important, whether it's okay for you to drink or not. Also, you know, knowing your own personal limits. Some people, even after one drink, can't do business anymore. And therefore, you should not be drinking at that meeting um, because it's still a business meeting. Most people are fine with a glass of wine for dinner, um, lunch. You know, if you're going back to work, I would say stay away from it unless it's a celebratory lunch. Um, When in doubt, don't drink. If you're not sure if it's okay, don't do it. Room etiquette is so circumstantial, and etiquette can be so you know, does it feel right? If it doesn't feel right, no matter what the quote unquote rules are, if it doesn't feel right, don't do it. It's a lot of common sense. These have been such helpful tips, we really appreciate it. We just have one last question that we ask all of our guests, and that's what's one thing that you wish you were taught in school? Probably more about um, investing money, handling my finances you know, growing wealth, managing wealth, increasing wealth. So tell everyone where they can find you on social, online. This is your chance to tastefully, humbly promote. I <laughs> <laughs> oh, Thank you. Um, so you can find me at beaumontetiquette.com. That's my website. Um, I also am on social media, just my name. So it's at Micah Meyer, which is at M-Y-K-A. M-E-I-E-R. Thank you so much, Micah. We really appreciate it. Thank you so much. I love this concept and this idea, and I'm really excited for you all. Thank you so much for having me. I'm super grateful. We loved this episode with Micah so much, and we hope that you enjoyed this episode and are feeling empowered to walk into any room totally prepped and confident. Love that. You got this. We'll leave you with a quote from American poet and writer Margaret Walker. Friends and good manners will carry you where money won't go. That's what she said. So there you have it, guys. Thank you so much for listening. If you like what you heard today, it would mean the world to us if you would subscribe and leave a comment or a rating. And we'd love it if you would share this with your friends by screenshotting the episode and sharing it on social by tagging at Teach Me How to Adult Podcast and DM us with any topics or guests you'd like to hear on the show. See you next time. Bye. Bye.